Well, good morning. You made it. And for those of you online, you didn't. So I like those of you who made it, but we are excited that you are here if you are online you know, as well. Thanks for taking some time. I'm so proud of what God is doing around here. Just so excited because of the generosity of our church. You heard it from Steve. And for those who are new, this is something we do every year. Our Christmas Eve offering, every single dollar that comes in goes outside the walls towards something specific. And you just got to see what it is this year. And so what an opportunity to change kids' lives generationally in different parts of the world. And so I just wanna encourage you along those lines. And so just thanks already and ahead of time for that. In fact, uh, speaking of generosity, I started looking at the different decorations that have taken place over these last few weeks. And uh, there were dozens and dozens of you who decided to stick around after church about two weeks ago and to be decided to deck the halls. And so can we just thank those people for being able to do that? Just love it. I thought you guys did a great, a great job this year. So welcome to week two of our series, Do You Hear What I Hear? And I started thinking a second ago, I was like, who's the guy who decided to talk about God and sex for a month, and then to talk about generosity for three weeks, and then to talk about music for three more? So basically, sex, money, and rock and roll. So you're welcome. <laughs> Uh, you know, for this, this ending of this series. If any of you guys come back in the new year, I'm, I'm eternally grateful. So uh, thanks for being a part of it. But last week, uh, Zach kicked us off with this idea of joy to the world. What a famous Christmas carol. And then we found out it actually isn't a Christmas carol and the history behind that. And by the way, didn't Zach do a great job? Can we just thank God for Zach? Thank you, Zach, for speaking. Now, as we approach Christmas, it's usually a child or at least the child at heart they just cannot wait for Christmas Day. And it, yet, it's usually this time of year, a few weeks until Christmas, that those of you who are parents or adults can't wait to get to the day so you can get through the season. And, and we don't mean to, but we're just so busy and so hectic, especially this time of year, that we can often miss the true reason behind the season. I mean, think about all the things that got through, got added to your plate, or things that you still have to do to try to get through. The baking, the buying, the wrapping, the planning, the decorating, the parties, 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 and don't forget all the traditions and all the Christmas movies that have to be watched before December 25th. And if we live in a get-through mentality, you're gonna miss the whole reason for the season. And this is what we're gonna be talking about on this day. We're looking at another famous Christmas carol, maybe the most famous Christmas carol of them all. Some would argue that it may be actually the most famous hymn that has ever been written. That and Amazing Grace may be kind of rivaling one of those because of how many languages it's actually been translated into over the years. And the song that I am referring to is Silent Night. Silent Night. And so as Zach did last week, since it's story time, uh, let's put on some story time background. Okay. Allow me to set the stage. The year, 1816. The place, Austria. The previous years in Austria and Europe had been ravaged by war, the Napoleon War to be specific, and through these decades of wars, families have been torn apart and many people have been injured. Yet in a quaint village nestled amongst the snowy hills of Austria, there lived a humble priest named Joseph Moore. The air was crisp and Christmas was approaching, but there was a problem. The church organ had broken down. The villagers, knowing that the beautiful music on Christmas Eve was a tradition that couldn't be missed, felt a sense of sorrow. 
Deeply connected to the spiritual essence of Christmas, Joseph turned to prayer. One night, as he walked through the serene, snow-covered streets, he felt a divine inspiration. In the quiet of that holy night, he penned heartfelt verses that celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ, his Savior. Excited to share this gift, Joseph approached the village schoolmaster, Franz Gruber, a man of both faith and musical talent. Together, under the guiding light of their shared spirituality in Christ, they crafted a melody that resonated with the joy and peace that Christmas represents. On the eve of the Savior's birth, the candlelight flickered in the, in the church. As candlelight flickered in the church, Joseph and Franz stood before the congregation. With Joseph's words and Franz's melody that was played, get this, with a guitar, they sang about the silent holy night when Jesus entered the world. The church seemed to shimmer with the otherworldly light and the hearts of the villagers were touched by the profound simplicity of the message. As they sang Silent Night, they became a bridge connecting that snowy Austrian village to the ancient Christmas story. The lyrics spoke of shepherds watching their flocks, echoing the biblical account of those who first received the news of the Savior's birth. The melody, filled with reverence and awe, captured the essence of the angel's proclamation of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Little did they know that their creation, eventually, even though it was pronounced something else in German, finally got translated into English as Silent Night, would become a timeless hymn cherished by believers worldwide. This humble song, born from a deep spiritual connection and a desire to honor Christ, transcended borders, languages, and echoed this universal message of love, peace, and the miracle of Christmas. In fact, Perhaps no time in the song's history was this message more important than the famous Christmas truce of 1914 when at the height of World War I, German and British soldiers began to sing Silent Night. Jenkins, Oakley,
My name is Jim. My name is Otto. Pleased to meet you, Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's called. And this schön, um, schön. Powerful and crazy. You can call about that. <clears throat> True story. You can look it up. Uh, there is something about this melody, this hymn, this Christmas carol, Silent Night. In fact, uh, just out of curiosity, how many of you would say this is your favorite Christmas carol? Hands, hands. I know there's quite a few there. Uh, it is my second favorite. Uh, my favorite, uh, you're going to have to wait till Christmas Eve. So you're going to have to come back to be able to Christmas Eve. But there, in this song, there is a gift from the melody to the words. But if you only stay there, you'll actually miss the entire point. If, in fact, I have some good news uh, for you today. Uh, how many of you, like me, love presents? I mean, presents is kind of like your, your, your love language. That's, that's me. Oh, let, me, let me rephrase. Good presents. Okay, good presents. <laughs> Uh, is, is a big difference between just presents. Well, um, this year and every year, we're supposed to be celebrating Jesus. We're supposed to be celebrating the gift from God. And yet, I wanna give you a gift from Jesus. Jesus actually has a present that I think eludes many of us in the season. And, and I want you to hear it from Jesus himself. For this is what he says in John chapter 14, verse 27. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be afraid and don't be troubled. This gift that Jesus wants us to receive is peace. And yet that's not what we experience. We experience busyness and hecticness and get through kind of season and we're missing the entire purpose of the season because we're so busy. And yet Jesus wants to give us this gift. Now, when you look at the Christmas story, sometimes we kind of put it in our minds as this kind of serene, silent night. It's so beautiful. And yet that's nothing like the reality of what happened. I mean, have you ever been around a group of sheep? Okay, not silent. Smells quite a bit as well. All of a sudden angels show up. They're not quiet. Whole army of them start singing out loud. Think about Joseph and Mary. Right? They get called into Bethlehem. Oh, what a pleasant town. No, six times larger than its average population swells at that time. Think Hoop Fest on Saturday. Okay? And you got a little idea of what Bethlehem may have felt like for Joseph and Mary. So crowded, so busy, so hectic. Imagine the stress that they're under as a young couple. They have no room at an inn. They probably end up in a cave, more likely. And there's animals that are all around. And not to get grotesque, but giving birth is not a quiet experience. And so here's Mary who's giving birth. Now, from Joseph and Mary's perspective, imagine you having a child and you just want a few quiet moments with your child. A bunch of shepherds you've never heard of show up. 
And they start proclaiming all these things. And so not quiet, not peaceful, not silent is our Christmas story. And yet, Jesus wants to offer us peace. And as he said, could his definition of peace be different than what we think peace is? In fact, this is the best definition I could come up for you that explains to you the peace that Jesus is offering to all of us at this Christmas season. Jesus offers a peace that transcends the mere absence of trouble or conflict. It's a profound tranquility, security, and well-being that takes root in our relationship with him. This peace brings an enduring inner calm, assurance, and completeness unwavering in the face of external challenges. See, he wants us to experience this kind of peace. Well, how do we do that? How do we experience this kind of peace? Well, in the words of Linus from Charlie Brown Christmas or more appropriate, the Bible, in Luke chapter two, verses eight to 14, it says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Joy to the world. That's what we talked about last week. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. We read through that, that scripture so fast that we're like, oh, wait a minute. Here's the promise of the gift that Jesus is ushering into the world, peace. So our question is, are you experiencing this peace? Because I wanna just walk through uh, just a few different ways to be able to do that, but before, you need to understand who it is. Jesus brought such peace that it actually became one of his titles. It was prophesied way back in Isaiah, chapter nine, verses six and seven, that says, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. These are the titles given to Jesus. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. Say it with me. Prince of peace and of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So here's three ways with the time that I have left that I wanna give to you as the gift from Jesus that we might apply this season and not just have to get through these next few weeks. It's not too late. The first way to experience his peace is to receive the Prince of Peace. That's the first way. Uh, in fact, uh, other theologians way smarter than me have said it this way. If we want the peace of God, we must have peace with God. If you wanna experience the peace of God, you actually have to have peace with God. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, sin separates us from God. And Jesus, even though it was rightly due to us, grew up, went to the cross, died for our sins, rose again, and we put our trust in him, we now have connection with God that we never had before a right relationship with him. So we get to receive that prince of peace and experience the peace of God because now we have peace with God. And if you've not experienced this yet, I'm gonna encourage you to be able to process this in the remaining time that we have left. But secondly, since I know a lot of you have, we have an opportunity this season to share the prince of peace. 
to not just keep it for ourselves, but to share. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I don't think many of us realize the opportunity and responsibility that's on our shoulders. For here's what it says. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. When you receive Christ, you become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift, there it is again, it's a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us, those of us who received the Prince of Peace, the ministry, the responsibility, the task of uh, reconciling people to him. So he's given us the opportunity who received the Prince to share the Prince of Peace with other people. It's not to be meant just for ourselves. Jesus said that's actually one of the purposes of our lives, is to continue to become like Christ, but to share him with anyone and everyone that we might come across. Uh, In fact, I was sitting over here last week, and as I was sitting here, I I paid attention to the baptistry really, really closely. And for those who are new, uh, there's all of these names that are written on the baptistry, and you're welcome at any point, there's always some pens that are around to write a person's name. The reason we write people's names on there is it's a reminder for us that God has put us in relationships with people who don't yet know him. And so we get a chance to write these people's names so that when somebody gets baptized, it's a reminder for us to pray for our person. That every time we see somebody gets baptized, and every week somebody gets baptized, we show a baptism video, and it's a reminder once again. And then, if it's the person you prayed for, you'll actually start seeing people actually circle or put hearts around them to let you know that God actually fulfilled that prayer. And he's using you and I to do that. And there's no better time, and I mean this, no better time to do it than Christmas Eve. During one of the Christmas services, we're going to have eight of them here, you know, to be able to do four different days that you have a chance to invite someone. Now, here's what's weird is that people will most often attend Christmas Eve even more than Easter. There is something about the silence of the season. There's something about quieting down. There's something about something in the air, work, people get off, where Easter changes every single year. But this is our opportunity. We call this our Super Bowl. We have two of them, Christmas and Easter. And here's our opportunity to be able to invite as many people as we possibly can. And so you can see there's different ways to do that. We've got invite cards, handouts that you can actually hand out to people. You can get those on the way out or digitally. So one of the favorite things that people like to do, whether it's text message or, you know, through email or through social media, you can actually on the QR code in the back of your seat, you can always, you know, just take a picture of that real quick and then go to our Christmas page and then start sending it out. In fact, we want to do this right now. I'm going to ask you to pray. And join me in praying for one person that you might know. Now, before we do, for those of you who this is your home and, 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 and it doesn't really matter which service you attend, I do want to encourage you for the sake of others. We're going to put back the times up on the screen so you can see. I want you to see that there are specific times that if you have availability, please attend December 22nd. That'd be That'd be Friday, December 23rd, 6 p.m., or the 24th at 6 p.m. What that will do is that will make room at the other services for people to be able to attend. Those are usually our crowd, more crowded services are the ones that are not circled. And so if you're also like, I don't like big crowds, those are the services for you, okay? So whatever it means, that would just really, really help because we're anticipating over 4,000 people to be a part of these things as we invite our friends, neighbors, relatives, whoever that may be. So who has God put on your heart? Because we're going to take those people to God now. Will you join me in prayer? God, thank you so much for the opportunity that you're going to give to us or have given to us to invite, to be ministers of reconciliation. And I pray, Father, that you would be with, and for me, I just pray for uh, Jerry, 
I just pray you would just uh, open up his heart to receive the invitation I'm gonna give. And I pray, Father, for all the ones who are lifting up people by name, other family members, coworkers, neighbors, whoever that may be, Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity and we ask your spirit to work in only the way that you can. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So first, we gotta receive the Prince of Peace. Second, share the Prince of Peace. But we wanna spend the rest of our time is we've got to create intentional margin, and yes, silence, with the Prince of Peace. In the words of Dallas Willard, John Orberg, John Mark Comer, all theologians, they've all said something along these lines. Jesus was always busy, but he was never in a hurry. In fact, hurry is maybe the greatest enemy of the modern spiritual life. In fact, we think we're busy. And I know I've got things on my plate, you've got things on your plate, we've already just gone through a lot of those different things, but who was busier or had more of an important job than the savior of the world? So I don't think you, you have to save the world this season. I mean, you might feel that way when it comes to Christmas, you know, like Clark Griswold, but you don't really have to. Jesus has already done that, but when Jesus was on earth, he had a lot of stuff to do, and yet I want you to notice something from Jesus. In Luke chapter, chapter 5, verse 15, it says, The news about Jesus spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Talk about busy. Okay, it never ended. Ministry would never end. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often pulled himself and says, you know what, I'm not going to allow the expectations of others to drive my schedule. I'm not going to allow my internal expectations of myself to drive my schedule. No, no, I know myself, Jesus is saying, that I need to pull myself away to spend time with the Father. Now, notice what he didn't do. He didn't just need a day off. Now, day offs are great. We need day offs. He didn't just say, I just need a vacation. Vacations are phenomenal. Many of you guys can't wait to get out of the cold and the dark and all that kind of stuff in this season and beyond, but that's not what Jesus did. He pulled himself away so that his soul would be refreshed, that he would be filled and he would leave us a model to emulate and to follow. Philippians chapter four, verse four says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do, do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Again, another reference to joy to the world. Verse five, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and don't miss this part, and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience, here's the promise, you will it's a promise of God. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul who wrote that is just referring to what Jesus said about the gift that he wants to give us in this time of year, but all of our lives as well. When we spend time with Jesus, Jesus does what only Jesus can do. And it's the Holy Spirit inside of us. In fact, if you go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says this, but the Holy Spirit produces, it's not my job, it's not Dan's job to produce these things in his life. I spend time with Jesus, and the Holy Spirit does these things in my life. Love, joy, peace. And it goes on, patience, kindness, and you can read the rest of that. But it's just interesting, these last two weeks, we've talked about joy, and we're talking about peace. 
Now, if you remember the song, Silent Night, it says in that first stanza, sleep in heavenly peace. Now, out of curiosity, how many of you cannot go to sleep unless you have a fan, music, or some sort of white noise? Raise your hands. Okay, we're insane, right? You think about it, you're like, wait a minute. I am so caught up in the noise of the culture and the noise of my life that I literally, think about this, can't sleep without noise. Now, I got to experience this with my friend Kenny. Kenny's our worship leader, and uh, we were at a conference together, and so we stayed in the same room. And we're in the same room, he says, hey, do you mind if I put on a little white noise? I said, sure, that'd be fine. He goes, I can't sleep unless I have a little white noise. Kenny decided to connect his little Bluetooth, you know, white noise to a Bluetooth speaker, and it was a white mega noise. And so he turns it on, and it's like... And I'm like, Kenny, he's like, what, isn't this calming? And I'm like, no, I can't even think right now. He goes, but I can't sleep without this. I'm like, this is insane. And this is what we have to go through for some of us. We have to have this extra noise. That's there. all I could think of is that my TV went out as a kid. <laughs> some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Other people are like, what does that even mean? You know, when the TV, yeah, white noise to be able to do that. Now, uh, uh, I know I dated myself a little bit. I need to preface this next part. My wife is Hispanic, Colombian, 100% Hispanic. So one night, she was listening to something while she was going to sleep, and I said, what are you listening to? And she said, brown noise. And I said, what? You can't even say white noise these days without offending someone? I said, what's up with you brown people? Is what I said there. So don't cancel me. My wife is, is Hispanic. And she says, no, no, it's really a thing. And she actually showed me. You can actually research it. And she goes, brown noise is better than white noise. I said, yes, yeah, said the brown girl. I get it, you know. So don't cancel me, you know, just, just, just this little humor there. Okay, there's also this calming app, right? I know many of you have the Calm app because it's been downloaded 100 million times. 100 million times, this Calm app. You know what's funny about the Calm app is all the notifications it gives you. It's beep, 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 beep. It's constantly interrupting you to remind you about how you must calm down. There's something insane that's going on in our lives. And we're supposed to pull away. And it's hard. It's very painful. It's difficult. Why? You ever thought about that? Why is it so hard to be still, to be silent? Could it be that silence, over time, reveals the soul? Silence forces us to deal with us. And there are some things that is happening that we don't want to deal with. And over time, it's just easier getting into routines that continue to turn the volume up when God wants us to turn it down so that we have to deal with some of the hard things in life. And I know for some, this time of year can be very, very hard, especially the first time that you lose a loved one. And you're like, this is the last thing I want to do is spend any silence thinking and processing through the pain, the challenge, the suffering, the loss. And that's the very thing that God may want you to do so that on the other side of that, you can experience his peace. Now, I want to be clear because sometimes people think, Dan, there's no place to be silent. And you'd be right. You know, even, even when the snow falls, you get out there, even every step you take is going to make a crunch sound and you still hear noises everywhere. So allow me to be very, very clear. Silence is not just the absence of noise. It's the absence of distraction. That's what we're talking about. See, in Psalms chapter 46, verse 10, the psalmist writes, be still and know that I am God. 
to know is to not know about. What he's saying is be still and experience me as God. That's what he's saying in that verse. In fact, one of my favorite uh, Old Testament stories that illustrates this point is the story of Elijah. Now, Elijah was a prophet of God. I'm not gonna tell you his whole story and what was the circumstances, but let's just say he's gone through a hard day. He's done. He is anxious, he's stressed out, thinks somebody's trying to kill him, and so he's running for his life. God meets him there, and he takes him to a secluded place, and in 1 Kings, we read this interaction that God has with Elijah. Here's what it says. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Goes on to say, and after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? It was a whisper. Got me thinking, if God only spoke in a whisper, how many of us would never hear the sound of God? We need to slow down. We need to process. We need to identify the peace stealers in our lives. We make ourselves so busy. And all these things are good things coming into the season. And I want to encourage you to maybe say no to just a couple of the good things so that you can experience the gift that God wants to give you as you're creating memories and gifts for so many others. The peace of God, which is different than what the world gives, Jesus is offering us in the season. So what we're gonna do is in just a second, we're gonna practice it. But I just want you to process through, don't get through this season, experience the Prince of Peace by receiving his peace so you can share that peace with other people. So like I said, we're gonna do this together. And for some of you, this is going to feel like a very long time, but it literally is two minutes and 15 seconds. And so we can do this, but we're going to be silent for two minutes and 15 seconds. And I know, because I know us very well enough that we gotta take some baby steps so there will be some prompts on the screen to kind of guide us through so that we might begin to experience the peace of God. But my prayer is that you would continue the conversation with accountability with maybe the people around you to be able to say, yep, I'm gonna be intentional and create time to receive the gift that Jesus has for us this year. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the gift that you promise. And Father, I know, even my own unsettled heart and mind, that I'm not alone. And I pray, Father, that you would allow me and us to begin a different kind of experience for the remaining weeks before Christmas and beyond to experience your peace, to be still, to pull away, to say no, to spend time with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Christ the Savior. 